This podcast is brought to you by The City Church in Mississauga, Ontario. For more information, please visit thecitychurch.ca. We hope you are encouraged by this message from our lead pastor, Frank Coulter. About King David. Now, last week, if you missed the um, opening of the series, I encourage you to go back um, on our website or on our podcast or on the church app and listen to the message. We laid a lot of foundation about um, Israel and kings and Saul and, and how Israel came to have a king and different things like that and just sort of the, the beginnings of David being anointed to be king. So I don't want to lay all of that foundation again, but go back and listen to that message. You can catch up with us. And uh, we're just going to continue talking about David this morning. First Corinthians chapter 10, verse 9 says this. We must not put Christ to the test as some of them did and were destroyed by serpents, nor grumble as some of them did and were destroyed by the destroyer. Now these things happened to them as an example, but they were written down for our instruction on whom the end of the ages has come. So the New Testament The New Covenant, uh, the New Testament of scriptures that we have explains to us how we should read our Old Testament, that things were written in the Old Testament as an example for us, um, as an example of certain things to do and certain things not to do, certain things to be involved with and certain things to avoid. So as we look into the Old Testament, we're not getting the totality of our understanding of who God is and his character in the Old Testament. We have... Uh, the scripture tells us in the New Testament that the full understanding of who God is, what his character is, what he is like, is by looking at Jesus. So as we look at the Old Testament, we're not looking um, to understand everything about God, but the Old Testament is written for us as an example. So we can get instruction and we can get wisdom um, in different areas. And as we look at David's life, we see these two things. We see some things that David did really well. We're going to see one of those things today. And then as we go on in the series, we're going to see some things that David did poorly, some things to avoid, some, and we can learn lessons by looking at those things that we should also avoid. So as we look at David's life, we're looking at lessons in leadership and loyalty and friendship. We're looking at our heart. Uh, we're looking at how to deal with disappointment and how to take advantage of opportunity, how to deal with opposition. Uh, We're going to talk about worship and we're going to talk about family, all contained in this David series. So this is kind of our keynote scripture that we mentioned last week. And as we think about this series, um, as it relates to David, we should be thinking about our lives. Acts 13, 36, the first part of the verse reads like this. For David, after he had served the purpose of God in his own generation, fell asleep. David served the purpose of his, of God in his generation. Now, this verse needs to be and should be true of us. And it should be something that we desire to do as Christ followers, that we would serve the purposes of God in this generation, the generation in which we are living, that we're not just going to serve our own purposes, not just going to serve our own desires, not just going to do our own thing, but we're going to serve the purposes of God in this generation and then we're going to fall asleep or we're going to pass away. And this, this would be the greatest thing that could be said about us. Um, when people eulogize us and they tell stories about us as it relates to our family and, and different things that we do, that we serve the purposes of God in our generation. You weren't born in the wrong time. 
God had you born in this time for a purpose, for a reason, to serve his purposes in this generation. And this is something that we can be inspired about. As we look at the story of David, he had great impact on his generation, so much so that Jesus referred back to him. And that he was called, Jesus was called the son of David. And David is thought about as sort of the glory um, time of the children of Israel in the Old Testament as it relates to having a king. That he was the greatest king in Israel's history. That he made an impact in his generation. We also should think about making an impact in our generation. So today we're going to look at the story of David and Goliath. Now this story happens soon after last week as we mentioned how uh, we explained how David was chosen to be the second king of Israel, that God had rejected Saul, but Saul was still alive. And um, Samuel the prophet came and he chose David uh, amongst Jesse's sons and David was chosen to be the king of Israel. And soon after that happening, we have this happening, the famous story of David and Goliath. Now this, this term is obviously used a lot uh, colloquially in, in the context of sports. But usually it's used incorrectly um, when they tell a story, you know, about two teams that are going to face each other. And usually the team that cannot lose, they call that team the Goliath. But Goliath loses in the story. So uh, we want to use this story right. And we want to look in the story and see what happened. And we can learn a lot. And we can actually be inspired in our own lives. And the first thing, uh, just that we would want to talk about, that David is chosen to be king. Now, he's not king for many years yet. Um, and as what God is calling out to David as he anoints him or chooses him to be king, that God is calling out to David's potential. And all of us have potential in our lives. In other words, something that is laying dormant or latent in our lives, that God has put something in our hearts, given us gifts and talents and purpose and things to do and accomplish. And the question is, how are we going to do and accomplish those things that God has laid out for us to do or the things that he's put in our hearts to accomplish? And one of those things um, and that we would see as David going to become a leader, going to become a king, is that you're going to have to face challenges if you're going to be a leader. And all of us, as I've mentioned many times, all of us are leaders in some context. Leaders in our home, leaders in our neighborhood, leaders um, uh, in our communities, on the job. That we may not have a big title or someone may never call us king, obviously, or a president or vice president or have uh, certain roles or, or titles within our context. But all of us are called to be leaders. And if you are going to be a leader, which all of us are, you are going to have to fight some battles. You are going to have to fight some battles. You cannot go through life just trying to go around the battle all the time. Sometimes you're just going to have to go through the battle. You are going to have to face the challenges. You're going to have to do the things you don't like to do. Can I get an amen? <laughs> you're just going to have to do it. If you're going to be a leader, if you're going to accomplish anything, you're going to have to face some battles. You're going to have to face some challenges. And this is one of the things that we see in David's life, that he set, stepped up in the battle. He stepped up in the face of a challenge. So let's just start reading. Now, I'm going to read you the whole story here of David and Goliath. 
Now, none of the, the verses as it relates to the story are actually going to be on the screen. You can read along your Bible if you want. It was just way too many verses to put in the PowerPoint. I have some other verses that I'm going to show you. But as I'm reading the story, you can either read along with me or just let me tell you the story. First uh, Samuel chapter 17, verse 3 starts like this. The Philistines occupied one hill and the Israelites the other. With the valley between them, a champion named Goliath, who was from Gath, came out from the Philistine camp. His height was six cubits and a span. He had a bronze helmet on his head and wore a coat of scale armor of bronze weighing 5,000 shekels. On his legs wore bronze greaves and bronze javelin was slung on his back. His spear shaft was like a weaver's rod. And its iron point weighed 600 shekels. His shield bearer went ahead of him. So here's the build up about Goliath, that he is this really big dude. Now, if we, if we try to find out how tall Goliath is, and I looked this up and people, you know, differ on how tall, uh, Goliath was. And some people say he was just really in the high six foot height, like six, nine, six, ten. Other people say he was about as tall as nine feet. Either way, he's just a really big dude. He's really tall and he's really strong because his armor, uh, it says that his armor weighs, gives that measurement, but in our, as we would think about it, is um, about 125 pounds or more, or if you like kilos, uh, 57 kilograms, which I know some people do. And the tip of his spearhead was 15 pounds just the tip of his spearhead, let alone uh, the rest of his spearhead was 50. So he was just a really big guy, really strong guy, really tall, stood out. And he was a great warrior because what they were uh, doing is they were going to fight a battle, but they were just going to fight a battle uh, between two people as we're going to read here or was proposed. Verse eight, Goliath stood up and shouted to the ranks of Israel. Why do you come out and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine? And are you not servants of Saul? Choose a man and have him come down to me. If he is able to fight and kill me, we will become your subjects. And if I overcome and kill him, you will become our subjects and serve us. Then the Philistines said, this day I defy the armies of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight each other. On hearing the Philistines words, Saul and all the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. So the challenge that Goliath is laying out is basically a game of one-on-one, but it's not a friendly game of one-on-one to 11. This is a one-on-one to the death. And what's happening is the Philistine army is on one side. They have a hill. They have the high ground and down. uh, There's a valley down in between. And on this side is Israel's army, Israel's army. So Goliath walks down in the middle and he basically calls them out. He basically challenges them and he says, hey, send, I'm obviously the best warrior. He's huge. He's intimidating. And I defy the armies of Israel. But I tell you what, here's what to do. Instead of all of us fighting and dying, I'll step out on behalf of my army and you send one person out and we'll fight each other. And whoever wins that country ends up serving the other country. And, and you know, if you, if you saw the movie Troy, you remember at the beginning, Brad Pitt fought the one guy, remember this story? Did anyone see Troy? Maybe you're not going to admit it in church. Anyway, there was this movie that Brad Pitt was in at the beginning. They did this. They fought one against one, and then the other army had to become part of the other army. So this is what Goliath is proposing, and he's standing out there, and he's just 
laying down the challenge. And he's, and he's just talking to them. He says, what does he say? I defy you. I'm defying the armies of Israel. And then what does it say about all of them? It says, on hearing the Philistines' words, Saul and all the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. Dismayed and terrified. So they're obviously not anybody there who's like, hey, I want to fight Goliath. I want to step up to the challenge. I mean, look at his armor and look at his spearhead and... He's famous for being this great warrior. No one is stepping up to the challenge and they're just over there scared. Verse 12. Now David, the son of an Ephraite named Jesse, who we talked about last week, who was from Bethlehem in Judah. Jesse had eight sons and in Saul's time, he was very old. Jesse's three oldest sons had followed Saul to war. So David's brothers were there at war. The firstborn was Eliab, the second Abinadab, and the third Shammah. David was the youngest. The three oldest followed Saul. But David went back and forth from Saul to tend his father's sheep at Bethlehem. For 40 days the Philistines came forward every morning and evening and took his stand. So for every day, morning and night, 80 times he stood out there challenging them. For 40 days, nobody came. For 40 days, they were just scared. Verse 17, Now Jesse said to his son David, Take the ephah of roasted grain and these ten loaves of bread for your brothers and hurry up to their camp. Take along these ten cheeses to the commander of their unit. See how your brothers are and bring back some assurance from them. They are with Saul and all the men of Israel in the valley of Elah fighting against the Philistines. But there was actually no fighting going on. It was just a challenge coming from Goliath and everyone else being scared. Early in the morning, David left the flock in the care of of a shepherd, loaded up and set out as Jesse had directed. He reached camp as the army was going out to his battle positions, shouting the war cry. Israel and the Philistines were, were drawing up their lines, facing each other, David left his things with the keeper of the supplies, ran to the battle lines, and asked his brothers how they were. As he was taking, as he was talking with them, Goliath the Philistine, the champion from Gath, stepped out from his lines and shouted his usual defiance. And David heard it. Whenever the Israelites saw the man, they all fled from him in great fear. So for 40 days, this has been going on. And for the very first time, David shows up to see how his brothers are doing, his three oldest brothers. And he sees this situation that Goliath is stepping out and he's challenging them. There's nobody stepping up to the challenge. There's nobody stepping up to the challenge. Now, in the Old Testament and in these times, kings had to step up to the battle. Kings had to step up to the battle. Your greatest opportunities in life will be disguised as battles and as challenges. Your greatest opportunities. God has already anointed David to be king. But here, now he's facing and he gets to see, here's this opportunity to do kingly stuff. What has God put on our heart to do? What has God put in our hand to be faithful with? That when we see those things and we experience those things, whether in relationships or in life, 
that it's just is really challenging. It's hard or it's going to take a little while. Those are your greatest opportunities. Those are your greatest opportunities to step up. Those are your greatest opportunities to not do what the children of Israel are doing. These, this army of Israel, they're there, they're looking at this guy and what are they? They're just scared. They're just scared. Have you ever been scared? Do you ever face fear? Yes, all of us are going to be scared. All of us are going to face fear. All of us are going to experience these challenges, but these challenges, they're just disguised opportunities. This fear that everybody's experiencing. And then when we think about giants, there are things that we have to face and there are things that we have to overcome. These giants are a great metaphor for us in our lives today. Things that we have to face that just looks really difficult. It looks daunting. It looks hard. And it is. And we're like, but I, I don't actually know how to defeat that giant. I don't actually know how to overcome. I've never actually experienced this, which would be true of David. He's never faced a huge giant of a man who is a skillful warrior. But he's there and he's hearing this situation. And this is what fear does to a lot of us a lot of times. And what is happening to the army of Israel is just afraid. And they should be afraid. This makes sense for them to be afraid because this guy is like the best warrior they have. And obviously that we don't have maybe is somebody as big as Goliath. But just because you're afraid doesn't mean you can't do something. Just because you feel the fear doesn't mean you should give in to it. We can't let fear be the deciding factor of our lives. Otherwise, we will do nothing. See, fear is a tremendous opportunity for us to overcome. Fear is an opportunity for us to step up and do something. But fear can paralyze us. You know, sometimes when we, when we face fears in our lives or we face a situation that's difficult, what happens to us is there's a flip chart that goes through our head about all of the bad stuff that could happen. We face something and it's difficult and it's a challenge. And as we go through all the quantum possibilities in our brain about the things, if I step up and do this, if I step up and, and make this uh, change or I do this thing, all of the things that could just go wrong, all this could go wrong and this could go wrong and this could go wrong and this could go wrong, so then I just don't do anything. Or if we, you know, we have a pain somewhere in our body, the worst thing that we can do is Google it. It is literally the worst thing that we can do is to Google a pain that we have. Because it's just like, all, like, you know, if you Google the thing, it's like death tomorrow. Is what comes up on the Google search. And then we're even more afraid. And this could happen, and this could be wrong, and this could go wrong, and this could go wrong. And what if they do this? And what if they say this? And what if this happens? And what if this? And what if this? And then fear paralyzes us just slows us down, freezes us. Proverbs 29, verse 25 says, The fear of man lays a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord 
is safe. The fear of man lays a snare. It's a trap. Fear is a trap. Fear is a trap. And it just holds us back. Fear holds us back. And we do have some experience in these areas. In life, sometimes you've faced those fears and you've gone ahead and done the thing that fear said, no, you couldn't do. And then what happened? You're like, hey, I actually made it through that. I was, it was hard and it was difficult and it was challenging, but I actually got through that. And then sometimes we just forget. We forget that we got through. We forget that God helped us. We forget that we put our trust in God and he helped us through those situations, that he helped us through the battle. He helped us face the giant. Psalm 56 verse 3 says, but when I am afraid, I put my trust in you. It's not that fear is not going to come. Fear is going to come. You're going to have tremendous opportunities to be afraid. But when I'm afraid, I put my trust in you. When I feel this, when I'm going through all the quantum possibilities of failure in my mind, instead of doing that, I'm just going to put my trust in God when I feel the fear. Verse 4, in God whose word I praise, in God I trust, I shall not be afraid. What can flesh do to me? Isaiah 43, verse 1. But now thus says the Lord, he who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you, I have called you by name, you are mine. And when you pass through the waters, I will be with you, and through the rivers, and they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, but the flame shall not consume you, for I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior, your Savior, your Savior. But did you hear the other verses? We got to go through the water and we got to go through the fire. But I'm like, I just don't want to get wet. I just don't want to get wet. I just want to stay dry on my sofa here doing nothing. And I don't want to actually go through the fire. You know, I'm just, I'm just comfortable. Just comfortable. Just comfortable in my life. Doing nothing. Accomplishing nothing in this generation. Just sort of happy here in my home. You know, don't have any confrontations with anybody. I don't want to face any challenges. I don't want to get wet. I don't want to get burned in the fire. And these are all just code for I'm afraid. I don't want to take that course. I don't want to take that promotion. I don't want to do this. I don't want to step out and do that. I don't want to serve at church. Because I'm scared of kids. And I don't know enough of the Bible. And what am I going to do? And blah, blah, blah. And all these different things. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Why? Because in the middle of the water... He is going to be with you in the middle of the battle, in the middle of the challenge. It's an opportunity. It's an opportunity to put our trust in God. And as we walk through the battle, through the fire, what he is going to be there with me. And we're going to feel the heat. We might get a little bit of our arm hair singed. 
Ben, but he's going to be with us. He's going to be there with us in the battle, in the challenge. So I can go forward. I don't have to be afraid of the thousand things that won't go right because some of the things that they just won't go right. But God's going to be with me in the middle of the rising waters. God's going to be with me in the middle when it seems a little bit hot, when it seems a little bit difficult, when the pressure is rising. I can have a smile on my face and I can know that God is with me. Why don't we act like we have faith in God? Why don't we just believe that we've got faith in God? In the middle of the rising waters, in the middle of the heat of the battle, man, I can smile. I can be glad when it's difficult. Why? Because I know God is with me. And this is an opportunity. This is an opportunity for me to put my trust in God. Joshua chapter 1 verse 9 says this. Amen. Joshua 1 verse 9 says this. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. He's commanded us. Be strong and courageous. Now, are we just going to be strong and courageous in our own goodness and our own awesomeness and our own thinking? I'm just going to be strong for the sake of being strong. Am I just going to be strong because I'm an arrogant person? No, I'm going to be strong in the Lord that my identity is in him. Not just me trying to prove something for ego's sake. But I'm actually, like David, accomplishing God's purposes in my generation. So I'm going to step up and I'm going to do something. And he has commanded us, even though this is an Old Testament verse. Man, we can take this for us. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Be strong. Be strong. Let's be strong. When the water's rising. Let's be strong. When the fire lights up. Let's be courageous. How? I'm going to put my trust in God. So I can have a smile on my face in the middle of the challenge, which is my opportunity to be the person God has already anointed me to be. He's already called me. He's already called you to make a difference in your generation. He's already done it. What is he waiting for? He's wanting, he's waiting for us to step up to the battle. But is, is the battle always easy? Is the battle always fun? No, no. So David is here and he hears the challenge for the first time. So he's walking up and he's talking to his three older brothers. And then all of a sudden David steps out. I mean, Goliath steps out. Verse uh, 25, if you're following along. And now the Israelites had been saying, do you see how this man keeps coming out? He comes out to defy Israel. The king will have, will give great wealth to the man who kills him. He will also give his daughter in marriage and will exempt his family from taxes in Israel. David asked the man standing near, what will be done for this man? So like any smart, wise, young man... David is overhearing and that, hey, if anybody faces Goliath, 
He gets the king's daughter and he gets tax-free living. And he would be dumb. Not to just double check. So I get a girl and tax-free living. Hey, I'm in. I'm in. What, what, what do we got to do? What do we got to do? What do we got <laughs> Okay. We leave that part of the story out and we teach it to children. All right. There's other parts of the story that we leave out too. They repeated to him uh, when they had been saying and told him, this is what will be done for the man who kills him. And when Eliab, David's oldest brother, heard him speaking with the man, uh, he burned with anger at him and asked him, why have you come down here? Here's a typical sibling interaction. Why have you come down here? With whom did you leave those few sheep in the wilderness? I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is and how you you come down only to watch the battle. And David responds, now what have I done? Can't I even speak? You know, kids or kids have been forever. He turned away to someone else and brought up the same matter. And the men answered as before. So he's just confirming about the girl and the tax-free living. He's just making sure. What David said was overheard and reported to Saul, and Saul sent for him. So David was asking these questions, and they told Saul, hey, somebody's asking about, hey, facing Goliath. So Saul sends for him. David said to Saul, let no, um, so they're talking, David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of the Philistine. Your servant will go and will fight him. Your servant will go and will fight him. Now, we know in the New Testament that our war uh, is not against flesh and blood. It's against principalities and powers and rulers of darkness of this world. So we can't take this uh, application. We're not actually looking to go out and kill anybody in our neighborhoods or anything like that. Um, Once again, these are metaphors for us to apply into the New Testament. But what we can see here is David's answer of faith. I'll go. I'll go. Don't be afraid, king. I'll go, and I'm, I'm going to fight the battle. No one has to be afraid anymore. The answer of faith is, I'll go. When you feel the fear, it's a great opportunity for us to say, I'm going to step up to the challenge. I can accomplish this, not in myself, but I know God is with me. As I go through whatever I go through, I know that God is with me. I'll go. I'll do that. I'll step up. I can accomplish that. Well, it's going to be a little bit of hard work and it's going to take a little bit of time. Okay, I'll do it. It's, it's going to take this and it's going to take this and it's going to, it's going to take four extra meetings and it's going to take this and it's going to change, it's going to take changing this. Okay, let's do it. It's going to take a lot of effort. It's going to take a lot of research. It's going to take this. It's going to take that. The answer of faith is, okay, I'll go because I'm not going to let fear rule my life. David says to Saul, hey, I'll go. I'll fight him. Verse 33, Saul replied, you are not able to go out against the Philistine and fight him. You are only a young man and he has been a warrior from his youth. This is how fear will answer you. Listen, your problems will talk to you, not with an audible voice, 
but with all of these negative possibilities. Hey, I'm going to go fight him now. You can't do it. You're not strong enough. You're too young. You're too inexperienced. He's this. He's amazing. He's awesome. You aren't. You can't go do it. This is how the thoughts will come to you. The thoughts of the enemy will come to you and say, you can't. The answer of faith says, I'll go. But David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep when the lion or the bear came and carried off the sheep from the flock. I went after it, struck it and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When I, when it turned on me, I seized it by the hair and struck it and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine, which just means representative of no covenant with God, will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of the Philistine. Saul said to David, go and the Lord will be with you. So what is David relying on? As he goes out to fight with his inexperience, he hasn't actually fought people. He actually hasn't been in a war with people. But what is his experience? Like he's in this situation and he's in this situation and God has helped me in this situation and God has helped me in this situation. And so will it be in this situation. And this is what we have to remember about the faithfulness of God. It will be so in this situation as well. God is faithful. God is faithful. Oh, but I'm afraid and here's the situation and I have no experience in here and not this and this and this. And you can and it's too hard and it's dif- too difficult and it's going to take too long. But I remember the faithfulness of God. Romans chapter 5 verse 1. Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where now we stand and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials for we know they can help us develop endurance and endurance develops strength of character and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. Our confident hope of salvation. Hope means a joyful expectation, a glad expectation. And this hope will not lead us to disappointment for we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. So we have all of this experience. Can we turn off that music, guys? We're way early on that music, but I love you all. It was really nice, though, for a second. So this, we see in Romans chapter 5, this progression. Hey, we're going to face trials, but then we're going to, it's going to develop in endurance, and then it's going to develop character, and then we can have this hope of salvation, that God is going to save us, that we can have this expectation. And that's what David said he has. Hey, I faced this, and someone, uh, you know, when the animals came in and took one of the sheep, and I did this, and I did this. 
And the reason he was speaking about the future is because God had done something in his past. But it's so easy for us when we face a new fear, when we face a new challenge, which is actually an opportunity, we just kind of forget everything. And everything goes out the window and somehow we've lost all of our faith in God and we're like, but this and this and this and this. And when we gather ourselves, when we should gather ourselves, we can say, hey, I am going to put my trust in God. That my hope of salvation is in him, not my circumstances. And certainly not my fears. Verse 38. Then Saul dressed David in his own tunic. He put a coat, uh, put a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet on his head. David, David fastened on his sword over the tunic and tried walking around because he was not used to them. I cannot go in these, he said to Saul, because I am not used to them. So he took them off and he took his staff in his hand. He chose five smooth stones from the stream and he put them in the pouch in his shepherd's bag with his sling in his hand and he approached the Philistine. So he tried to put on Saul's armor. You know, I have a, a distinct memory, you know, being a church kid, learning this um, in, in Sunday school growing up, and I, I had this very vivid memory of, of, a, of a small boy with, like, all of Saul's armors on, and it's almost like wearing your dad's coat, and it's, like, way too big. And on the outside of the picture is all shaking vibrations, and David can't even stand up under Saul's armor. Sorry, just having flashbacks of Sunday school. But see, it didn't matter if it was Saul's armor or the sling. Those were irrelevant things. It was God's faithfulness. That's the key. Whether it's the armor Saul used or the sling in David's hand, it was irrelevant. It was God's faithfulness that helped Saul in the battle. And it's God's faithfulness that's going to help David in the battle. Verse 41. Meanwhile, the Philistine with his shield bearer in front of him kept coming closer to David. He, he looked David over and saw that he was a little more than a boy, glowing with health and handsome. And he despised him. He said to David, am I a dog that you have come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Come here, he said, and I will give your flesh to the birds and the wild animals. This is how your problems will talk to you. Who do you think you are? You can't do this. You're not big enough. You're not strong enough. You can't accomplish that. You know what? That's true. But with God, we can. Our faith, our faith is not in ourselves. Our faith is in God. Listen, David said to the Philistine, you come against me with a sword and a spear and a javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty. Amen. This is where it gets good. The God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied, this day the Lord will deliver you into my hands, and I will strike you down and cut off your head this very day. I will give your carcasses um, of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals. I mean, he's going crazy with this threat right here. And the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. And all those gathered here will know that it is not by the sword or by the spear that the Lord saves. For the battle 
is the Lord's and he will give all of you into our hands. The battle is the Lord's. The battle is the Lord's. The battle is the Lord's. So what does it take, though, on our behalf? Trust. I'm going to rely on God. Here's this thing in front of me. There's this battle. There's this challenge. But it is your opportunity. It is your opportunity to put your trust in God. It is your opportunity to serve God in your generation. And David is just stepping up. And I mean, this is just some good trash talking going on right here. I'm telling you. You know, Goliath is out there. And he's like, I defy all of you. And David's like, I'm going to feed your carcass to the... I mean, it's just it's good stuff happening right here. I mean, you know, it's an exciting story. And so, so, but David has got his trust in God. He's got his trust in God. What about us? We cannot fail because of fear. We cannot give up because of fear. We cannot be shrinking back because of fear. And once again, these aren't things necessary to say to people. But you have to get up in the morning. If there's something that you have to face that day that usually you're afraid of. And that usually you're going to shrink back from. And you got to get up in the morning and you can say, I am not going to be afraid today. The battle's not mine. The battle is the Lord's. I'm just going to put my trust in God today. You got to say that. You got to get it out of your mouth. Why? Because your battles, your challenges are going to be talking to you and you got to talk back. You got to say something out of your mouth. You got to verbalize your faith. All right, are you ready? Let's get to the culmination of the story that you already know, but we still want to read it. Here we go. Verse 48, as the Philistine moved closer to attack him, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet him. David ran. I love it. I love this imagery. Goliath, the conqueror, Goliath, the big battle, the thing that you have to face, the big hairy giant in your life. What did David do, man? He is running to the challenge. He is running to the battle. He is running to the opportunity. Amen. Reaching into his bag and taking out a stone, he slung it and struck the Philistine in the forehead. The stone sank deep into the forehead and fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone without a sword in his hand. He struck down the Philistine and killed him. We leave this part out usually for kids. David, a little bit, 18a. David ran over uh, and stood over him. He took hold of the Philistine's sword and drew it from its sheath and killed him, cut off his head. I don't know how many chops it took, but it was like, he's he's a big guy. He's got a big head, right? Sorry, it's graphic maybe for some people. I'm just reading the Bible to you this morning. All right, people. <laughs> he cut off his head with, with the sword. With the Philistines thought their hero was dead. They turned and ran. The men of Israel and Judah surged forward with a shout and pursued the Philistines to the entrance of Gath, to the gates of Ekron. Their, uh, their dead were strewn among 
all these places. So now hear how the story has turned. For 40 days, the Philistine army has been standing, standing behind Goliath, taunting and yelling back and like, we got Goliath, you got nobody. For 40 days, they've been doing this. And then all of a sudden, this group over here who has been afraid for 40 days, somebody steps up and has faith in God. Somebody steps up to the challenge. And then all of a sudden, everybody on this team, everybody in this army has got newfound confidence and they chase after them. Man, when we step up and we put our trust in God and we face challenges and we face the battle, we are going to give someone else permission who's younger than us, who is watching us to say, hey, I am going forward too. I am not going to be afraid. I am not going to live in fear. Man, someone's watching you and somebody can be inspired by you stepping up to your opportunity and putting your faith in God in this generation. Amen. Let's just pray this morning. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful for your word today. We are so thankful, Father, for the opportunities that you have placed before us. And Father God, we purpose to step up. We purpose to face those battles that we know that you are going to be with us through the floodwaters, through the fire, that you are going to be with us. And we are going to put our faith in you. We're going to be inspired today, Lord, by this story that we don't have to be afraid. We don't have to get up in the morning and be scared. That whatever the thing is in front of us, whatever the giant is in front of us, that we know we can overcome because our faith is in you. We thank you, Lord, that we see the battles and we see the challenges as opportunities. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you need prayer or would like to share how this message has impacted you, please email info at thecitychurch.ca.